0: good morning canopy it's good to be together even virtually even as we're scattered across many devices and different contexts and zip codes i'm outside as you may hear because there will be planes helicopters dogs air conditioning units kicking in let's just roll with it trust god can speak louder than all that and uh, we are in a series on freedom in fact i'm so grateful this habits course on freedom that Dana is inviting us into is he pioneered that first round. I have friends that were part of it that told amazing stories of really practical and powerful shifts in their life. And now we get to be early adopters as a church family as we aim this at spiritual freedom. And I know if, if you join me, I'm in, we're going to arrive in the fall with a lot more confidence and expectancy around freedom and in our, our lives if we take up Dana's invitation and so let's do this, but for today, let's dive into God's word together as well. And uh, we started in Exodus several months ago, and you might remember that this was a story of God's people being led into the wilderness out of Egypt, out of slavery, but surprisingly not into the promised land. You know, that was ahead of them. There were great things God had in store for them there. He was gonna work through them in the promised land to showcase his glory and greatness to the whole world. But before he worked through them, he had to do some work in them and really work some things out of them. And that was that orientation around slavery and all they had known for centuries in Egypt is a certain kind of identity of being owned by idolatry and by the, the rule and reign of a false king. And now they're invited into the rule and reign of the one true king, not to be slaves, but to be sons and daughters. And this is a freedom. This is an orientation they had to grow into much like us. And apparently God knew that some of that work had to happen in the wilderness. It had to happen through trust and dependence in the midst of doubt and uncertainty. And and that's where we're living right now As we have a wilderness of several crises converging and there's a lot we're navigating. We just trust that God has a lot to say to us in these times and a lot of work to do in us, even as he's excited to work through us. To play our part in partnering with him to change the world and so we're going to today move from Exodus in fact move entirely out of the Old Testament into Hebrews Hebrews is at the end of the New Testament and Hebrews is written to a Jewish audience um, of new Christians so they are people that have been converted from Judaism into Christianity into the way of Jesus because they've discovered that Jesus was the Messiah that they've been waiting for and they've said yes to him With their lives but it's coming at an increasing cost and this is at the birth of the church you know this is less than a few decades after Jesus has lived and died and risen again and as they're adapting to this new way of life this new call that they've said yes to they're starting to flinch because a lot of their Jewish peers are starting to give them pushback and sow seeds of doubt and persecution into their reality in ways that are making them long for what was familiar they're looking back on the old way the old sacrificial system the temple the torah the festivals and starting to want to head back that direction much like israel did in the desert as they begin to look back at egypt where they had been slaves but it was so familiar so comfortable so known that it was very tempting and that's what's happening here and so the author of hebrews scholars don't even know who this is but They do know that it's written to this unique time, this unique audience to reassure them of the hope they've been given in Jesus. And the first nine chapters does this brilliant job of explaining how, you know, this is not a new faith that Jesus is pioneering. This is the same faith. This is the same story. He's just the culmination of it. But in fact, Hebrews 1 says that He was there all along. He was Yahweh. He was with Yahweh at the creation of the world. It's his power as one and the same with Yahweh that's sustaining the world in ways that are mind-blowing but but hope-bringing. And then it says that he is going to come back, that there's a day approaching where he will come back and save finally and fully this world, redeem it, reclaim it. And this is the story that Hebrews is trying to awaken this Jewish Christian audience too. That again, this isn't a new story, it's the same story, but in amazing ways, Jesus has come and fulfilled everything that they have learned and worship before, the old covenant, the Torah, the temple. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things that could never really be completed without him nobody could really measure up to the law there can never be enough sacrifices even the high priest wasn't holy enough to offer them but finally jesus becomes the ultimate high priest the ultimate sacrifice and where there have been endless countless sacrifices offered he becomes the full and final offering that makes a way for not just the jewish people but all people to come into relationship with God, into right standing with God, forgiveness with God, and ultimately into the presence of God as the people of God. How cool is that? And that's what Hebrews is laying out a case for. But then it arrives after 9 chapters into chapter 10 and we see some calls that are practical response. That's what worship is. Not just music, but it's it's response to what God has done, who God is, and as we see what God has done and who God is in the person of Jesus as the Messiah, as the sacrifice, as the High Priest, the invitation is hold on. Hold on to hope. Fix your eyes on this Jesus. Persevere. These are the big themes of Hebrews and this is again written to an audience that's losing their grip. And so there are four calls and I'm gonna read Hebrews 10 where it really is in response to all that I've described about Jesus, about what he's done, who he's become, the way he's opened. And it says, as this way has been opened, it actually describes through his very body. His body is like a torn curtain, broken and bloodied that we could come in to the very presence of God. It says, let us draw near. That's verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance, the full confidence that faith brings. And it goes on in verse 23 to say, "'Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, "'for he who promised is faithful, "'and let us consider how we may spur one another on.'" Spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching.'" So let's quickly look at these. There are four calls here that are really important for the wilderness we find ourselves in. And they're really four habits, I think, four practices that we need to reclaim and repeat again and again. And the first is let us draw near. Let us draw near. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to us. I mean, that sounds like something we say a lot, sing a lot, pray a lot, but this would be mind-blowing to this Jewish audience because drawing near to God was something for really special people, you know, like the the super Yahweh followers like Moses or David. For the ordinary people, you know, the people like you and me, the fitting command would have been stand back, draw back in reverence and awe and fear. But now Hebrews is making it clear that through Jesus, we can come together with confidence right into the presence of God. It doesn't have to be from a distance that we're following a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. We can follow him intimately and it doesn't have to be from a mountaintop that in the midst of smoke and fireworks, there's a thundering voice. No, we can intimately hear his voice right into his very throne room. We are invited into the presence of the King because we belong here with full assurance, with forgiven, cleansed lives and hearts We come and draw near with confidence because we're kids of the king. How cool is that? This is where we belong. So that's the first call is just draw near. And not just you or me, but us together. Let us draw near again and again to the presence of God. But there's more. As we draw near, we're called to hold hope. Let's hold unswervingly to hope, which means a tight grip on hope. And really this is a simple call to keep the biggest headline in view. We're living in a time when it just seems like a full-time job to keep up with the headlines. There are so many news flashes. And I'm not just talking about Instagram stories or TikTok dances. I'm talking about the news flashes that keep breaking in, at least on my phone and on our TV set, about huge things happening, increasing infection rates, and political power swings, passionate protests in cities, all of these which are are important but also seem to create a lot of anxiety and hopelessness in our time in our lives but Hebrews reminds us that as Jesus followers there's a bigger headline that is supposed to continually recapture our hearts and minds and that's Jesus he is the story he's been the story all along and we need to hold on to that storyline have a tight grip on that storyline not The hope of a vaccine or the right candidate or even racial reconciliation, these are good things, things we can be hopeful towards. But Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is God, and again, the one that created the world in the beginning and lived the perfect life, died the perfect death, rose again. That is the story that we have to continue to reclaim our grip on the grip of our minds, the grip of our hearts. And to do that, we need to be leaning in together to that storyline. I was thinking about the movie, The King's Speech. I don't know if you remember that movie. It's, it's old now, won several Oscars, great movie, set in England, which is always a bonus. Uh, but it, it's in the context of World War II. And in that time, people, when they were trying to get the headlines, would gather around radios. They didn't have iPhones, you know, to personally catch up with the news. They would gather together in rooms like some of you are gathered right now, around these old radios and listen for the news, but particularly listen for the words of their king. Because when the king spoke, it was something important and would give them context for whatever season they were in, particularly as war was impending, for all the doubts and uncertainty, they needed to hear the king's voice. And, and that's what I think is happening even here today is together we're leaning in. We're not only studying the word of God, we're listening for the voice of the king, and it's allowing us to reclaim hope hope together to to get a tighter grip on hope, hope together and an unswerving hold on hope together now that's the second one the third one is let us spur each other on so let us draw near let us hold hope and now let's spur each other on towards action towards love and good deeds Apparently there's something that we can be to each other in these times that is really important, these times of leaning in together, in the presence of God together, and, and it leads to love and good deeds, which are outward actions that showcase the heart of Jesus, but they don't always come naturally. We have to stir it up, spur it on each other. In fact, that, that word in, in the original language means to catalyze, to um, increase the intensity of the most obvious picture that came to mind when i thought about this was uh, the many 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 sports games i've been at with four kids whether it's water polo football basketball soccer they all have these pre-game huddles i'm not talking about the football huddle where they're calling plays i'm talking about before the game begins the teams together hands in the middle usually some crazy chant or cheer but it's really about just stirring up faith for what's going to happen on the field it's preparing the team to take the field with renewed passion and excitement. And that's what these times are to be, is Is times where we stir that up in each other in ways that prepare us for the real game. This isn't the game. These gatherings prepare us for the field of life where our love, our good deeds are to be put on display. And, you know, apparently is a family that's learning freedom it's not just about ourselves we're trying to showcase freedom to those around us but this happens through our love and good deeds and I want you to know I've experienced this from many of you in Canopy I think particularly of the arcades Tara and Jimmy Arcade are are just two people in my life of many that have just spurred me on to more they just have a way through a text through a conversation through a prophetic picture or word of sowing seeds of encouragement and confidence and and renewed readiness for whatever awaits me. And I wanna encourage you to be that to each other, particularly even in these gatherings, which is hard in a virtual setting. But we experienced that powerfully a few weeks ago when we got to do our virtual field trip to a place for worship, Pastor Sheridan's church. Man, as he was preaching, if you were there, you know the chat window was on fire. I mean, there was an endless stream of amens and yes and truth and preach oh, preachers. I I will tell you, Josh and I, after the fact, had some serious virtual pulpit envy. We're going, oh man, <laughs> we wish our canopy community uh, was offering more than what is often crickets in these moments of just sort of a very vacant chat window because it's just encouraging. It spurs us on, even though these messages are recorded, there's something encouraging to see whether it's the worship, the stories being told, things being announced, opportunities to dive into more together. It's so encouraging to see those comments on the chat window and that's just a practical way, one little way that we can stir up more love, more good deeds, more um, on-the-field moments in times like this. And finally, and I'm rushing because I'm running out of time, but finally the reason this passage came to mind for me was this last call that's really attached to this, all three of them. But it says, don't give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, don't give up meeting together. Because apparently in the time they were in, it was critical as the church was being born and they were navigating all sorts of disorientation and thinking about turning back to the old ways. They said the way forward is not only fixing your eyes on jesus holding on to the hope of jesus drawing near to the presence of god but doing it together gathered together this is more important than you know now i know that we aren't in the habit of not gathering together And you know, the, the scripture says some are in the habit of not gathering that wouldn't be our church that's other churches but just in case there's a few of you that choose to opt out on virtual gatherings or house church gatherings or prayer gatherings i want to encourage you these moments are more important than we know. I've never pastorally or personally experienced a time in my life when being together felt more optional, and for some good reasons. Obviously social distancing is a big part of this and just the weariness with Zoom fatigue and virtual existence. But the bar was already pretty low here in Orange County on gatherings. I think the average church attendance for committed people was maybe twice a month. But now the bar is dropping into the basement. And can I be honest, we just need to take these gatherings more seriously. Not just as a checkbox box on our spiritual day timer, but as a non-negotiable way that throughout all of history, God's people have held hope together through times of hopelessness. Um, I remember a story a friend of mine told me about the underground church of China, where he was invited to speak. This was years ago. And he was invited to an all-night gathering because that's the only time they could gather in secret was at night and they gathered all night long and invited him back the next night and the next night he taught them for nine days in a row and they worshiped for nine nights in a row and he was exhausted and seriously out of material but he was so inspired and convicted by the commitment of these people to just keep gathering together whatever it took and he was convicted about all the tricks and bells and whistles of, of the Church culture he'd come from that we have here in America in most cases and he just was renewed in his passion to say we need to commit to and enjoy and lean into these gather moments together and canopy we do we just do I know again it's hard I know we're tired I, I want to respect social distancing we all do but we need to keep leaning in and some of you don't think you need it or you're getting anything out of it And here's the challenge, maybe it's not about you, maybe it's about what you bring to it. That's the assumption here. There are things that we each bring to these gatherings, whether it's a chat, you know, comment, whether it's a prayer before the gathering, whether it's our seek first prayer nights where you show up and now it's in the parking lot at Family Christian Center, but you play a part in a prayer walk that's sowing seeds of faith and expectation to our future. It's not just about what you need out of it, it's what you're bringing to it. Because that's what being a family is, is everybody shows up to the table with something, and in surprising ways, and life-giving ways, God uses us to uh, spur on, encourage and anchor each other into the story that is intended to define our lives and future. So as I, I say all this today, draw near, hold hope. Spur on and don't give up meeting together. These are our habits that we want to live out in the weeks and months ahead in the midst of so much uncertainty. And uh, I just wanna encourage you, would you take this to heart? And would you even right now open your hands as I wrap up this message? I just trust that God's been speaking louder than I ever could and really inspiring us towards more together, but that more is together. It's not just you. On a solo mission we are in this together let's stay in this together and let's remember that as we draw near we are in the presence of God together in fact it's such a gift to have Laura Leslie from a place for worship leading us and I asked her to lead in closing a song we we learned if you were on that virtual field trip and I loved this song heaven is here right now God is here right now and know that wherever you are right now Wherever you're listening to this god is here with you he is present with you and let's just invite him to continue to lead us as he led his people generations ago out of egypt through the wilderness into a new destiny let's invite a, him to do the same with us to be awakening us now to the headline above all headlines jesus is lord and he has invited us into increasing freedom in that reality that we are his, we belong in his presence, we carry his name, and we're partnering with him to change this world. We say yes, Lord, yes to that call as your people in your presence now. Amen.